Welcome to Two Men On, ladies and gentlemen. 110%. Kill the cards. Oh, what yeah, I remember that one. Tell where you are. I was telling you suck. You know what? I, I quit. I really quit. <laughs> this Mommy Brown of Fantasy Baseball. I'm waiting on somebody to say that. Wayne Grove Party Con, right? Yeah. You're ready this already. <laughs> Which two men are on? T-M-O, baby. That's hot. TMO 27. We're at the halfway mark of the 2012 BDL season, and two teams have performed head and shoulders above the rest. What's the surprise? One of them isn't NorCal, which, 10 weeks in, isn't at the playoff table. Plus, in celebration of Major League Baseball's amateur draft, it's time for TMO's second annual Black Diamonds in the Rough. Mike the Rockets joins us again for this year's roundtable discussion, as well as another special guest. You're listening to BDL Radio. This is Two Men On. Okay, and it's June now, which means the playoff picture is coming more into focus every single week in the BDL. What's the headline so far? Two of last season's worst teams are having their way with the rest of us at the top of the standings. Welcome to TMO. This is Johnny of the Killer Car Company, and I'm joined by usual uh, Scotty of the Gens. What's up, Scotty? Uh, the Generals, man. They're what's up. The Generals? How are those colonels making out? <laughs> the, the, the colonels have seen better days. In fact, they saw better days in January, but we're not going to complain uh, about that. Not, not with the Jens looking at 70 wins here in, here in June. 71 wins is impressive. 715 winning percentage. Uh, wow. Looks like 10 and a half up on the Rockets. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. In fact, we uh, see. I think, we, I think the Jens tallied... 68 or 69 uh, total victories in all of 2011. So after week 10, uh, the Gens surpassed uh, their win total from, from last year. So that's that's pretty cool. That's amazing. Um, I, what is the record? I think the damage probably hold the record at this point, right? 150, 150 some odd wins? Four or five, I think. 155 sounds about right, the overall What win. are you shooting for here? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, just to start the year, I, you know, I was, you know, I w- certainly wasn't shooting that high, um, more so because of the, you know, the, the perceived quality of, of the East from top to bottom. I just didn't think there was any way that any team in that division, uh, no matter how, no matter how good, um, you know, could come away with, with quite that many wins. You know, right, right now we're on pace to do that, but to maintain that pace, you know, just eyeballing the math there, we'd probably have to average still, what, um, seven and a half wins or so per week for the remainder of the year just to attain that, that all-time wins record. So that, that that's a pretty tall order, and it tells you just how good that, uh, that 09, I think that was the 09 damage team, right? Or it might have been 2010. Anyway, whatever year it was, uh, it tells you how good that, that damage team was to, uh, to collect that many wins in one single year, but... We've certainly seen th- seen things turned upside down this year in the BDL, Johnny. I think that's really our top story going into going into the season here at the halfway point. You know, we're looking at two teams that were at the bottom 
of not only at, in the basements of their respective divisions in 2011, but um, were at the at the bottom of the, of the entire league in 2011, um, especially the Generals uh, having finished in last place. And those two teams, the Generals and the Crawford Cramps, uh, currently here at the halfway point set at number one and number two overall in the standings. Yeah, it is it is pretty amazing, um, especially considering uh, you're, you're playing against uh, two squads who are well over 500 themselves in your division. I mean, how, how many times? You've played there twice already, uh, and uh, still lead uh, Mike by 10 and a half games. Um, Crawford's been very impressive, uh, made that big trade recently. Um, I still wouldn't count out NorCal, just because, like we said, you're talking, you know, I need seven and a half wins every week. And we, we mentioned last show, I think, that um, damage are in the top five in a lot of statistical categories. They can they can pile up the wins quickly. So we'll have to see. It's a, it's a new era um, with all four divisions having new leaders. Or, no, I'm sorry, the North still has the same leader. <laughs> that, you, just, you wrote that right into the show, didn't you? <laughs> it just fell on my lap. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. You can't, um, you know, going back to the damage, I mean, you can't, you can't count them out, certainly not. You know, right now they sit, um, and really I have that down as probably our, our, our number two uh, headline uh, going into, uh, or coming out of the halfway point, I should say, it is the damage. And, you know, the fact that they are currently eight games back of Crawford in the West and are, are not a playoff team right now. They're not, you know, if the season ended right now, the you know the, the perennially perennially tough damage are not a playoff team, which is just amazing to me right now. And it just tells you exactly what has gone on, you know, um, in the off season and at the beginning of this season to to turn turn this league upside down. What do you think that uh, what what do you think Bill is thinking right now, Johnny, in terms of in terms of his squad and and, and how it's performing? What I think Bill is thinking, I think he's thinking. Uh... I've got two titles. Uh, my team is pretty well set. Uh, I got to kind of weather this storm because he's still putting up stats. Um, he's probably gotten a little unlucky. He's had a number of injuries, and he's eight games back. So um, I think he's still in position to make the playoffs uh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the un one of the more unspoken things about this season so far, at least as it pertains to the West Division. Is you know the damage have some some pretty heavy hitters right now that are that are banged up. You know Tulawiski still out. I believe Longoria still out if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know he he's going to have presumably going to have some some very strong second half help uh, injected into that squad when some of these guys come off of the DL. Absolutely, and uh, I think you could look at the Rockets similarly. Um, they've kind of. I don't want to say stumbled, but haven't got gotten off to as fast a start, I don't think, as last year. Um, obviously, uh, you're a big reason for that, but I just had a random question for you. I mean, I always preach, you know, movement, activity, stay, stay on it. Um, do, do you think he, he trades too much? Do you think um, he's to, like, a detriment this year? Because he, he was at the top. He was at the top without question last year. Um, I, I think it's possible. Um, you know, I, 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 I personally subscribe to the same 
philosophy when it comes to trading that, that Mike does in that nobody on my roster is off limits. I, I will listen to a trade offer for anybody at the right price. And I, I think that's how I think that's how successful teams should do business. You know, when you're able to turn these guys over for for a profit and build more resources, even if it may set you back just a, a little bit in the short term, you know, I think that's part of what has made Mike such such a successful manager here so early on in his in his BDL tenure. Well, not that early on. I guess he's been here what four years now. But um, but the other side of the coin to that is, yeah, you you do run the risk, you know, of of flipping too many parts too quickly and and ruining chemistry is the wrong word, you know, to use in in terms of, of fantasy sports, but I'll use it anyway for the sake of this discussion. You know, in ruining the chemistry that, that his squad has at the moment at any given time uh, when it might have been successful. So it, it's a fine line that you have to walk in. You know, I, I don't want to rip too hard on, on Mike's strategy because, you know, it's, it's proven successful, but I do think you have to recognize the risk. Absolutely, and, and this could all be moot, you know, by the end of the season. You know, he's going to make another 100 moves, so... Um, <laughs> He could very well shoot back up here. Um, I mean, he's playing six ten ball, which isn't terrible at all. Um, I, I was just curious. I mean, I, I wouldn't have expected. Maybe it's more of a, um, a sign for your teams. I wouldn't expected you to be up ten and a half games on him. Yeah, what, what do you What do you think? What, you know, what, when you when you see that that separation already uh, between the Generals and the Rockets, it currently sets at uh, ten point five games. Uh, between first and second place there. I mean, what, what does that tell you? Because I think that's that's a surprise to, to everybody. You know, one of the, you know, one of the largest commentaries of the offseason going into this season was just how, how close the East was, especially at one and two, and maybe deep, as far deep as three, one, two, and three, uh, in terms of, of teams that could make the playoffs from that division. And, you know, now here we are, um, after week 10, and first place is up on second place by 10 and a half games and is up on third place by 13 games. You know, second and third remain, you know, close still. But what does that tell you? I mean, were, were we just totally off base? Uh, no, I mean, looking at the winning percentage, I don't think we were off base. Uh, the, the division is fantastic. Uh, I am surprised the Rockets are closer to the epidemic than the Generals. But at the same time, it might be because we constantly underestimate the epidemic. I mean, it's a very solid division. Um, you've pulled away here, but I wouldn't suspect that you'll be doubling that, you know, gains back by the end of the year. I, I, I don't suspect that either. And speaking of the epidemic, you know, as you say, we, we constantly underrate that team. And, you know, I think most of us did going into this season. Now, that, that was another major talking point coming into 2012 was, um, you know, this is the year that the epidemic are going to kind of fall off the map a little bit in terms of their playoff viability. But, you know, here they are with a, uh, a 585 win percentage. Currently uh, our, our position to be in the playoffs is if the season ended right now. Um, they're, they're sort of the, the lost team in, in, in these discussions, are they not? They definitely are. I mean, and the Bulldogs themselves, they've become simple, simply afterthoughts. Um, it, it's a crazy division to, to look at uh, at all. Uh, it, it's the cream of the crop right now. Um, 
I'd like to think each of the divisions right now is, is very competitive. Um, but it's fun to watch that Eastern Division. Definitely. Going back just for a moment, Johnny, to the West before we, we move on. The, the most recent uh, trade this week that was that was made between the Mavericks and the Cramps, where uh, the Cramps uh, received Adam Wainwright and, and Robinson Cano, uh, even when you factor in the returning stars for the damage, who will presumably be, be back before September, uh, do, do you think, uh, at least on paper, that the, that the Cramps put even more space between uh, themselves and the damage uh, going into the second half with that move? Space. I'm not. I'm not sure. I would say that um, the their foundation is that much more solid. I would say uh, simply because the damage team is built so well. Um, he's he's had that foundation in his lineup already, and he still has the pitching depth. Now I know Brian um, added Wainwright, and he, he's added a few arms uh, this year. Um, I don't know the exact count off the top of my head, but. I, I always go back to Bill's um, quality depth of his rotation, and um, I really don't. I don't see Brian separating that far from the damage. Shifting over to to your division, Johnny. Uh, let's take a look at it real quickly here. You know, it, it's we, we we dedicated an, an an entire almost an entire show earlier this this off season here on TMO to. Uh, to the North Division, and 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 right after that show was was taped, um, it was when things really started to get flipped around, and and, and the league kind of got turned upside down a little bit in, in terms of all the, the moves that were made, and and we were talking at the time that the you know the Amish Brotherhood might possibly be the team to beat, and then we moved on to the Wallabies later on in the offseason and, and them having the division locked up by 20 games. And here we are 10 weeks in at the halfway point, and the Killer Car Company are again on top of this division um, by two and a half games. It's, it's not a large margin, but not over second place anyway, but over third place. You know, you're looking right now at eight and a half games, and it's, 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 it's such a crazy division. I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's getting tighter and tighter every week. Um, the Wallabies are putting a push on. Um, hopefully I still have the lead by the end of this week. I'm playing the Panthers. Uh, who does he have? The Rebels, maybe? Um, I like the teams. I like what they did. However, uh, I can't get over how, um, Joe, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago when I was facing him, had 17 starts to my seven, and he proceeds to sit his starters. And uh, we had a big long discussion about this on the forum. But uh, you know, I won K's, I believe, or wins one of them, um, and I won whip in ERA because you just you cannot predict those things. I mean, it's it's so difficult um, to play matchups. And Brent with his, you know, I'm going to bench. Ryan Braun, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, I don't understand some of this stuff. Brent's an idiot. You need to, you need to have the guys in the lineup to, to get the stats when they do go off. I agree. I love you, Brent. I, yeah, I don't. Um, the division. Um, Kevin's buying his time. Uh, I'm trying to hold on. Uh, so we will see. I don't know. 
Now, speaking of holding on, I mean, do you do you feel like you know the Amish are still hanging or hanging around um, lo longer probably than I than I really that I thought that they would this year after they uh, sold off so many parts. Um, they're, they're still right there in the wild card hunt, very much in the wild card hunt. Do, do you think Joe is going to have the interest? Um, is going to have the uh, kahunas, I should say. Sorry, Joe. To what's the best way to say this? I don't, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to frame this question in terms of him having regrets uh, for for where he's at in terms of the moves he made earlier and where he could be right now. But do you think that he's going to see where the standings, how the standings are right now, and, and moving into July as we get closer to the deadline, and think, you know what? I'm still, despite all these moves, I am still. In, in the wild card hunt, and I, I, I can make a run at this thing, especially with teams like, you know, the damaged Steel Ailing. Uh, do, do, you see him, do you see him making any moves at all to, to really pursue this and to make a run at the playoffs this year? Well, I, I absolutely have to believe that um, Joe likes what he's done with his team. I like what he's done with his team, um, and not from a selfish, you know, he's behind me perspective, but, I mean, he's gotten young studs recently and um i think oh for the amish he he's he sounded recently like he's kind of accepted um that it isn't going to be a five-year plan maybe a six-year maybe a seven-year but he's he's willing to wait that extra year he wants to do it right and i think as long as he's in contention he's gonna uh fight for a playoff spot sure i believe that what about Brent? I mean, you just know. I just kind of get the sense <coughs> from Brent that we're that we're on the cusp of some sort of uh, of significant move for, for the Wallabies. <laughs> you know, because I I know that he has to be looking at this team and at the standings right now and being quite frustrated and quite disappointed compared to where he thought he would be probably at this point in the year. Uh, do you see him pulling the trigger on anything anytime soon that's going to say to the league, hey, uh, you know, despite what you see. In the standings, um, you know, we're we're here for a run at this thing this year. I uh, I don't know. Brent's uh, hard to figure out when it comes to that stuff. I uh, I don't know that I would. I mean, he's been making up ground on me consistently the past few weeks, and he was my first division loss I think this year. Um, he's got a good squad. I he he went out and got Corey Hart, like we mentioned before, the first baseman uh, he needed. Uh, what else does he need? He's he's got some closers that r rose up. He's got solid pitching, uh, solid lineup. Um, I think you'll see probably see in a couple weeks he'll probably be the division le leader and he won't have to do anything. Cool. Johnny shifting down to uh, the South Division. Uh, we'll take a look at it real quick. Um, into the first half here. Of course, we see the the beers and the rebels really. Have uh, locked horns there at the top of the division, uh, separated by two and a half with the Beers currently on top. But I, I really see that division going down to the wire this year. Uh, but let's let's take a quick look at the other two teams in that division, the Panthers and the Mavericks. They both, you know, they've both really taken themselves out of of the hunt for anything this year, purposefully, of course, um, in order to rebuild their clubs. And I'm curious, Johnny, what you what you think of both of their respective efforts to uh, to to restock their systems and hopefully for a run here in another year or two? Well, uh, 
They, I, I look at it two ways. I mean, I think it's clear what the Mavericks have done with their minor league system uh, is much more impressive than what uh, the Panthers have done. However, the Panthers uh, have a knack, kind of like uh, Earn used to, of, of grabbing these guys that you don't you don't think they're going to be good, um, but they end up performing for him. And I think uh, in this division, uh, particularly, because I can't, I look at the Beers and the Rebels, I have no idea who's going to win that division. Uh, or who even cares to at this point. Um, you know, the the Panthers could just jump right back into it next year with uh, some few key moves. I mean, uh, this is, like, amazingly difficult to predict. Uh, but, you know, I have much admiration for all four of them. I think uh, that's what makes it a difficult division. True. Uh, Mike uh, Owens of the... Of the Mavericks made a made a comment to me actually uh, just after his his recent deal with Brian of the Cramps where he he brought in so many blue chip prospects uh, uh, that being Mike uh, that he was you know really ho- uh, what's what's the best way to say this without uh, without uh, asserting that he's trying to tank his team but uh, that he he felt like he was in the running now for the top pick in the in the <laughs> in the upcoming draft in 2013 uh, looking at what what the Mavs sent away, and looking at at where the current last place team in the league, the Boston Double Downs, are right now, do you think the Mavericks have a shot to to be the worst team in the league this year at this point going forward, and maybe moving into that into that zone with with Boston where they can possibly be in be in the mix for the top pick in the draft? I think they have a shot. I um. I don't know how I feel about the idea of uh, quote unquote uh, tanking. Uh, I think Scott mentioned something about that um, on the boards also. You know, uh, time to shoot for that number one pick. You know, and I really don't know how I feel about that because you know you're most likely going to get more value the higher the pick you have. Uh, but in terms of uh, playing the season out, I, I just don't know. Um, looking at the divisions, I think the double downs have uh, a tougher road ahead between the, the Cars, the Wallabies, the Amish, uh, than the Mavericks do. And the Jens. Um, <laughs> they got the the Jens still? <laughs> but, uh, John, just looking at yeah. one last thing here. Um, and we've we've gone over we've gone over a lot of a lot of points here regarding the, the, the first half and but but one of the one of the, the bigger talking points uh, that we've had on this show the last couple episodes, I think, has been the fact that there's no clear there's no clear favorite in the league this year. You know, you have four to five, shoot, the way the epidemic are playing, maybe even six, um, you know, elite teams that that are that are really right there bunched together at the top um, that we can you know safely assume will will contend for a title this year, um, based on what we have seen so far. Here at the halfway point, where the standings are, recent moves that have been made. Do you think now that there is a clear favorite in the BDL? No, I don't. I don't. Um, you you can't uh, buy a championship. Is that what they say? <laughs> uh, I know there was a lot of talk. Everyone just assumes that the cars are going to be there uh, at the end of the year, uh, but there's a lot of other tough teams too. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's just so hard to separate, especially those top two, three, four teams. It, it, they're just so hard to separate. I mean, you look at 
you look at the rosters up and down, and and all all of those teams. You know, you, you, when you look at the, the cramps and the rockets and the damage and the generals and a couple others, uh, but especially those four right now, I think, um, you know, they they're in a position to win. E each of those teams is in a position to win ten categories every single week. And so, you know, what that means come playoff time is that it's really a matter of, you know, a bit, a bit of luck and, um, you know, just, just seeing how the chips fall because you, you just you don't know how things are going to play out from week to week. Uh, you know, the Generals right now are on a, what are we on, a seven, eight-week win streak. Um, next week going, going into the, gosh, I've not looked at the schedule. I guess we've got the Woo or the Elevation Next week, I know we have Crawford the last the last week of this round through the West. Uh, but, you know, we could trip either of those weeks against either of those teams. And when you get into the playoffs and, you know, you're matched up against these super elite teams and, you know, when, when they're all bunched together in quality um, in that way, it's just, um, it's impossible. It's impossible to predict. Well, I mean, I'll quote uh, the Rockland Rockets GM, Mike, Mike Polidoro. Um, this year the regular season is going to be incredibly important because those two teams that get um, the two buys, I mean, they become substantially um, more, that's uh, the word I'm looking for, a much easier time yep. um, to, to setting themselves apart and, and get into that title game. Absolutely. Well, Johnny, in celebration of Major League Baseball's Amateur draft this month in June. We have put together the second annual Black Diamonds in the Rough BDL Prospect Farm Club rankings, and we're here to to unveil those right now on this show. So let's let's throw it on over to the guys. Hey Johnny, it's time for TMO's second annual Black Diamonds in the Rough segment uh, here in 2012. And man, we have some, some big changes on the list this year, following a uh, probably the most the single most active offseason uh, in league history. Of course, joining us again this year is the the list magician uh, himself, the the man who compiled all the data for the list, uh, Mike of the Rockets. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How are you doing? We are excellent. Also joining us is the author of the new forum blog, Minorly Important, Chris of the Beers. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Oh, no problem. Appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Uh, before we get rolling, just uh, just a little quick hit on hit on your uh, your new hit uh, uh, forum blog there, which I think all the guys are really enjoying. What uh, what gave you the idea to to start that? Um, it, it's just that there's a lot of guys out there, you know, and you know, in our league, you own a certain amount, and you know, some people are, uh, you know, up on who should be owned, who shouldn't be owned, but that's kind of you know up to everybody's opinion. So I think it's interesting to kind of uh, you know dig down to the depths. You know, it's fun for me to do a little bit of research, pick out a guy that may be kind of under the radar, you know, uh, maybe somebody that should be owned now or at least somebody that should be owned later and, you know, kind of give people the info so they can see where it all comes from. I, I think it's, you know, it, it's among the most, uh, you know, the most entertaining things that we have going in the league right now, actually. And when we were, you know, preparing this month's show for for the uh, for the second uh, Black Diamonds in the Rough rankings, um, uh, it was kind of a, just a thought we had, you know, hey, you know, this guy's really paying attention to this stuff these days, and let's let's, let's bring him on board uh, for the show. Do you do you regret any of the posts 
you know, <laughs> kind of giving away uh, potentially, you know, key intel maybe for your own team? I don't because, you know, if I, if I do the research and find out a guy's, you know, better than, than, than that, I'll just pick him up. But <laughs> <laughs> No, but I appreciate, appreciate the feedback. Uh, you know, it's good to hear. I'm glad people enjoy it. Like I said, it's fun for me. And like I said, I mean, I wouldn't even, uh, you know, uh, pursue people to, you know, give me some more feedback in terms of uh, their impressions. If they uh, find news on a player that I missed or anything like that, you know, please feel free to add it in there and we'll keep those going. And I'm sure I'll provide an update on those guys at some point this season, see uh, see who was right, who was wrong, uh, you know, where they ended up, that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, Chris, it was, I think it's a fantastic addition to the league, one of the best uh, we've had in, in quite some time. And actually, I'm quite proud that I have uh, brought you into the league. Um, you know, when, when you first started, you mentioned that uh, you, you didn't know too much about the minors, and, and now, you know, weekly, you're posting guys that I, I've never heard of, and... You know, I do a lot of research, I, I think, and, um, you know, mad props, dude. Yeah, no, I think, and like I said, you know, I'm hoping that uh, some of the information, you know, gives gives some of the other guys, uh, you know, some sources that maybe they didn't know of and, uh, not, you know, not trying to, uh, you know, blow anybody out of the water or anything like that, but, you know, it's nice to uh, to just be able to put that together and for you guys to read it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we've really ever had anyone to to perform a BDL public service in this way before. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty neat. And, and, you know, something, too, when, when you first started this, I thought, well, you know, people are probably going to be, you know, interested in, in reading these, but, uh, you know, who, who, who's really going to put aside, you know, their pride their pride, and, and pick some of these guys up and, and you know, freely admit in, in doing so that, you know, they, they were handed to them. And of course, you know I have since be- I have since become one of those managers and <laughs> picked up. Well, hey, hey, and I look. <laughs> I can always hold that over your head, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> no, no, Chris, it, it is really cool. We we appreciate what you're doing. Great, thanks a lot. Well, Mike, um, uh, last year's list, uh, the the ranking of the top minor league systems in the BDL, um, one of the most controversial discussion topics of, of all of 2011 and certainly um, certainly I think the most the most popular or at least most read most replied to um, a forum thread for 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 TMO ever and uh, you know it, it was uh, it was a big deal I think and, and got a lot of people talking and, and that's why we were excited to get get back together and do this again this year so why don't you just uh, go through uh, go through your, your criteria again for us, if you will, and tell us how you constructed uh, this year's ranking. Sure, Scott, not a problem at all. So what my process basically was is I put together a spreadsheet of, say, the top two or 250 prospects uh, based on the rankings of a number of different sources. Uh, among these sources were Baseball America, of course, uh, Baseball Prospectus, uh, Keith Law at ESPN, uh, the guys at MLB.com, uh, John Sickles, uh, Fangraph, Baseball HQ, and a couple other sources. So what I basically did is I took averages for where they had those prospects and then put together like a composite. Like I think it turned out to like be a top 150, basically. Uh, at that point, I had to come up with a point where they stopped being valuable prospects and started just being kind of filler guys in our league. Because if you do a top 150, you know, there, there comes a point where guys on that list don't really have a whole lot of value. So I went through the list, 
and there was there was a, a quasi break at about 60. So what I figured was, okay, I'll take the top 60 prospects. I will assign uh, a value to each of those prospects based on their spot on that list, and then I'll flag each of the prospects to their uh, respective BDL team, and then put together value rankings on all the clubs. Okay, great. But as far as the of course, and just just to be clear for for our audience, the 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 ranking itself and, and the rankings of the players that you took and compiled from different uh, professional uh, writers and such. Um, those rankings, the player rankings, were not influenced by you uh, specifically at all? Uh, the only influence I had on them was kind of uh, taking out players that weren't deemed prospects by our rules. Uh, sure. Besides that, uh, no. Uh, like, uh, for instance, one of the guys uh, that was on a number of the list was Jorge uh, Solar, who just signed with the Cubs, I believe. He's not mm-hmm. within the BDL, so I obviously excluded him from the from the list. Right, and and for a good reason. So, yeah, this is just for BDL eligible prospects. Uh, of course, as as ranked by uh, by a, a a wealth of, of professional sources. Um, and and Mike, we of course appreciate you again putting together putting together the list, and we'll jump right into things. And um, uh, just like last year, we we're going to kick things off at number ten, uh, the number ten team this year. And uh, of course, I'll be posting the the bottom six. Um, the bottom six teams in the thread, and, and you guys can sort of go nuts about those and, and uh, he and Hall and, and uh, throw rocks at us for, <laughs> for that if you wish. But uh, we will start at number 10, and the number 10 team this year's Black Diamonds in the Rough, the Bulawayu Bulldogs. When I look at his team, it, it, his cumulative uh, his score is basically made up of Mike Trout, and uh, that kid is kind of blown past all of my expectations. But I'm I'm still actually kind of surprised by Craig and his, his minor league system because, um, you know, he's got a ton of bums on that squad, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Um, I'm kind of waiting for some of these guys to get dropped, and then um, I think he could do a lot more with that system. Well, you know, I think he's got a couple of guys in there uh, that I think could help impact it. Maybe aren't really making it into... Uh, you know, into this top 60, but, you know, possibly guys that that, uh, that could be good. Uh, I mean, number one in Joe Weiland and Alex Meyer in terms of pitching, uh, I like both those guys, and I think they both have potential. Um, but, you know, it's not, you know, they're not going to be in that, that top level. Now, obviously you can look at Trout and you can point him out uh, as being the majority of, uh, of the Bulldogs' score, but there's another guy that I think I like, not more than Trout, but, you know, if you want to kind of say, well, Trout's in the majors right now, let's look at... Uh, you know, guys in the minors, he, he does have Mike Olt. And, you know, Olt wasn't really under the radar coming into this year, but he wasn't on the radar like he is right now. Um, you know, if I look at his stats, I'm trying to think. He's already hit 19 home runs this year. Now, he has power, and uh, I think he, this is a complete breakout year for him. So I think that's going to be a nice, uh, a nice player to watch over the rest of this year. And I think, uh, you know, he's probably in the top 60 that we have ranked right now, and I think he's going to be a lot higher on that uh, going into next year. Do you guys think where the Bulldogs are at right now that that, that Craig could really um, could really do more with, with the farm club in terms of, uh, you know, the, the Bulldogs really aren't a, are not a competing uh, MLB squad right now. Um, and, you know, there are several particular 
guys on that roster. I, personally, I think he could uh, he could flip right now to to really bolster uh, that that farm club to to you know, to use for you know uh, future resources later when when the team can uh, become competitive again. Uh, do you, do you where, where do you think Craig's mindset is mindset is it is right now in in terms of those types of moves, uh, Mike? The thing with the dogs is for the entire time that I've been in the league, and I'm not sure what it was like previous to that, he's never been one who spent a lot of time really focusing on his minor league system. So I'm not I'm not particularly surprised that he he doesn't have the depth that a lot of other teams have. So I'm not sure if that's just a a choice of style where he just doesn't put a lot of focus into the minor league system, and if that's something that we can you know, we can really expect to, to be changing anytime soon. Uh, with his system, like, it's really top-heavy. It's got Mike Trout, who's a guy that I think is a top prospect in all of baseball. And he's got Hector Lee, who I think was number 35 or 36 on the list. And he's got Mike Alt, as Chris mentioned, who was, was number 59 on the list. And then after that, it pretty much falls off a cliff. Uh, there's not a lot of really top talent after that. And there's a good dozen guys that I think he could he could cut, and there won't be a real race to the waiver wire to to, to you know actually pick those guys up. What's going to be interesting with the Bulldogs is if they're not in contention come trade deadline time, is he gonna is he gonna flip a guy like Doc and bring in you know four or five real top prospects? And if that happens, and I certainly would not be surprised if that did happen, I think his ranking would shoot up this list. But I think the way that he shoots up this list is not by kind of you know going through the waiver wire and finding guys. I think it'll be by kind of acquiring guys. Do you think that do you think Doc Steele would command that sort of price? Uh, uh, it's it's an excellent question. Uh, it, it probably depends on where he is at the time of the deadline. If he's if he's close to returning, and I'm not sure what what the reports on him now. I believe he's set to return in August. Um, if come the end of July, he's still on that schedule, and there's no reason to believe that he won't return in August, then, yeah, I think he still will command a, a very substantial price. Yeah, I think Doc's going to be able to help out someone this year that has a mature team that's that's in it. You know, I think, you know, if you take that into account, uh, you just kind of have to match up the right team for him and, to, you know, to kind of get the maximum return. Yeah. I think it's going to be very, very uh, weird uh, uh, with, with with our trade-led deadline. I know for the past season or two, things were actually pretty quiet at the trade deadline. I know I know, last year was eerily quiet, like nothing happened at the trade deadline, basically. Uh, but I, I, I'm expecting things to be a little more busy this year just because we've got you know four or five teams that are really going for it this year. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Cramps make another big move. It'll be interesting to see if the Generals kind of try to make a move to kind of push them over the top. And if teams do that, I think Doc is a very obvious candidate because I don't think there's going to be a lot of real top-end arms available at the tra- trade deadline. Like If you put together a list of the top 20 or 30 arms, the vast majority of those guys are on BDL teams that are considered contenders right now. Doc was really the one guy who was a premium arm who could be available. So it'll be interesting to see what team really makes a move to pick him up. Okay, let's move on to number nine, and that would be uh, from the South Division, the Richmond Rebels. Johnny, what's your take there? Uh, well, if I'm looking at the uh, overall Kino score that uh, Mike so graciously uh, put together for us, um, 
his score doesn't seem that much higher than the Bulldogs, a, a mere five points. But in looking at the players, um, I immediately liked the system a lot more. He got most of these guys right from you, Scotty. Um, pretty much. <laughs> Machado, Starling, these guys are like real studs. And, um, you know, I'm, I like what Mark's doing. He, he's, he's basically telling the South that uh, I can accumulate youth, and I'm still going to beat you guys. Um, Chris, I, what do you have to say about that? Yeah. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> yeah, I think I have nothing to say. I mean, I think we're I think we're going to be even. You know, I'm hoping that I can contend this year, at least in terms of a championship. But, uh, you know, he's the one to beat at this point. Um, and, you know, hopefully both of us have a good season, and we'll see who comes out on top from that. Yeah, I, uh, in terms I'm sorry. In terms of the team and the minor system, though, um, you know, exactly like Johnny said, he's got a lot of those pieces in there that I think uh, I think could help out. Now, there's, you know, a couple of guys in there that may, you know, you know may kind of not come, <laughs> you know, realize their, their full potential, um, you know, and I think that's just what we'll have to see. I think there's a lot of guys in the system that have, uh, you know, more risk associated with them. Uh, so even though they may be... Uh, you know, it may have some nice potential. Uh, you know, we'll kind of have to see how it pans out in terms of a, you know, a safety risk factor kind of thing. Mike, uh, do you, do you think Mark is at a point where he can, uh, you know, sort of let because he, he really he's got a even at the major league level now he he is so much younger of a team than he was at this point last year. Do, do you think he's at a point with his farm club? Uh, uh, you know, combined with his his major league uh, squad, that he can sort of sort of let those guys mature uh, to get where, to to where he wants to be in this league, or or do you do you think still that you know there there are several moves yet to be made for this club to to get it where to get it uh, to to the to the level that he is accustomed to, I should say, in, in the BDO. Yeah, I think there's a couple moves upcoming, but I don't think there's going to be anything nearly as dramatic as we saw in the off season. Uh, one of the great things about playing in the South, uh, no offense um, to Chris, is he could get it. this kind of move. Uh, he, he, he he made a move in the off season that no team in the North, East, or West could possibly have made and expected to contend for the playoffs. Mark wisely probably took a look around that division and said, I can get really young, you know, rebuild, and still contend. And it's the great thing about playing in a division where there's no real great team that's going to take it away from you. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw like a guy like each row maybe get moved, uh, something like that, um, perhaps in the trade deadline. But he's got young studs, like he's got Freddie Freeman, he's got Eric Hosmer. Like when Machado comes up, he's got a stud there. He's got Yonder Alonso. He's got Kelly Johnson, who's still a pretty young second baseman. Like he's got some some pretty good pieces there. And you know, he's a guy who just historically finds ways to win. So you know, that's not a team I want to bet against too often. Uh, moving on to number eight, we have our first team on this list from the North Division, and that would be the Boston Double Downs. Chris, what is your impression of Boston at this time? Um, I, I mean, I like the Double Downs. You know, I think I think it's a team that has, uh, you know, a lot of talent uh, in the minors. You know, maybe not guys that are on the top of this list again at this moment, and you know, maybe that's why they're a little bit. Uh, you know, kind of in the middle of the pack of in terms of uh, minor league rankings. Uh, but, you know, there's some guys that he got in the first round last year, like uh, Sonny Gray, that was somebody that I was looking to draft. And, you know, he picked him up the pick before me. But, hey, you know, you know, I'm not bitter about that at all. Um, 
But you know, he also has a guy, uh, Jake Marisnik, who I think uh, I think uh, I think the Rockets owner over there also knows about because he uh, he picked him up for me and now ended up on the double downs. But you know, he's a guy that I think uh, has a great future for those uh, for those Blue Jays, and uh, I think I think he's going to be fun to watch. Um, so I hope he uh, continues to progress, and you know, maybe not to a point where I'm kind of uh, upset that I traded him, but uh, you know, <laughs> you can't always. You can't always make that the right move at the right time, but uh, I think he's a guy that I'm, you know, definitely interested in watching, and uh, should be good for the double downs in the future. Yeah, I, I think I think Kevin is a is a very savvy uh, trader in this league, and I, I think he's sort of built that reputation quite quickly. Uh, you know, looking over his squad, uh, his his farm system, there you know there are some holes, uh, of course, which is why he is. Uh, 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 this far down on the list at number eight, but I see a lot of blue chippers as well that could really pan right. out. Uh, that are, are that are really uh, a low risk, um, I think, prospects. You know, you're looking at guys like uh, Zach Wheeler and maybe to a lesser extent uh, uh, Zach Lee there uh, with the Dodgers, and um, you know a little more of a risk. But uh, Dominic Brown, who hasn't really panned out yet, but uh, I still think he's going to be a solid regular at some point. And, and of course, the guys you mentioned before. Uh, Johnny, what is your impression? Well, I, I certainly uh, don't think they need to lose this many games to acquire the first-round pick for next year. But um, I think uh, I like just about every one of their minor leaguers. Um, really likes uh, Kevin's, uh, you know, taste in players. Maybe save for maybe Gary Brown on this list, but uh, I, like Chris said, I love Marisnik. Uh, Bogarts is, should be. Um, Stars, what they're saying, and I liked Wheeler. I liked Wheeler a lot in San Francisco, um, and I think he kind of gets forgotten about on the Mets, and, and um, he could make a, a strong leap up this list, uh, you know, this time next year. Yeah, I think that's the key thing about about his roster. There's no, uh, you know, I, you know, there, there are there are some some you know some lower tier guys, but. There's really no one that jumps out at me as I look it over that I think you know they they just really have no shot at, at a at a regular major league job. You know, I think just about everyone that he's rostering right now, um, you know, has, has a chance to uh, uh, you know not necessarily to be a star. Some of them do to be a star, but uh, to be to be a solid regular. And I think especially as we're moving into the next couple years of this league when active rosters are going to be expanding, those. You know those uh, those blue chip guys are going to become more valuable. Good gosh, a bunch of rookies! Somebody jump in. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Scott. You know, uh, uh, to be honest, this might be my favorite BDL minor league system in the league. I know it sounds weird coming in at number eight, but again, this is not my ranking so much. This is professional rankings. There's six or seven team prospects that I absolutely love on this team. I I love what he's done with this minor league system, and I think he's gonna have a really good team a couple years down the road. I think he's quickly become one of the best trade negotiators in this league, and I think going forward, what he is gonna be able to do the same thing he's done, acquiring minor league uh, pieces to acquire major league pieces. I just think he does a great job in trade negotiations. And he's got a ton of talent that's coming down the pike, and I think I think he's going to be a really good team really quickly. Absolutely. Well, guys, if we can, let's move on to number seven on the list. We're quickly climbing here, and that would be our first team, I believe. Yep, from the West Division on the list this year. 
Again, at number seven, it's the Wrigleyville Woo. Uh, system, I, I personally, uh, I personally, I like really well, and I think we've talked about it some on this show, Johnny, uh, in the not too uh, not too distant past. That uh, the the Woo really has the potential to be a strong team on the rise, and you know, I uh, look up and down his farm system, and uh, you know, I in a way it's similar to to the double downs. I see a lot of you know potential. Uh, there for the for their blue chipper guys and um, I mean w- what do you think what do you see? Yeah, I would agree. It's it's kind of similar to the double down in in that there's not uh, one particular guy that really jumps out to me. They're kind of deep. Um, I'll tell you what, it makes me actually really happy that he's got Rizzo and Brett Jackson. Um, I like that. Uh, you know, owning a guy from your hometown team and and they look to be really coming on. Um, a lot of his guys, even on his National League squad, have uh, have just snuck up on me, and um, I think he's done a really good job. I I really questioned him um, in the past, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these other guys uh, made that jump also. Chris, when you look over this team, what what, what do you think maybe is your what's your favorite what's your favorite hitter and your favorite pitcher on this Wu team down down in the in the uh, in the minor leagues? Yeah, he's got a couple of hitters that, you know, kind of Johnny touched on that are, um, you know, they they definitely have potential. Uh, I think I liked Singleton most, um, and mainly because he used to be in the Philly system and, you know, we knew a little bit about him. Um, uh, but I, I think I do like him most. But he's got a lot of other guys on here that, again, you know, in Brett Jackson, I mean, you can't you can't discount that, that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of hitter. But uh, I think Singleton... Uh, has the track record, you know. He may, uh, you know, maybe slowing down a bit. I don't want to say that to try to devalue him, but uh, uh, but I think he's going to make it as a major league player. I mean, I think his uh, his skills are relatively projectable, and I think that's why I like him the most. Uh, in terms of pitching, there really are uh, a lot of them to, to pick from. I mean, I'd probably have to go with Ben Wallace as a as a guy I like the most, but you know, he's got both of those B B name guys from the Yankees and. You know, he's got two guys in the, the Brewers system who I like. He's got Trevor May on the Phillies. So, again, it's, it, there's a lot of, uh, you know, as we kind of touched on, not maybe the top, top, top-tier talent, but there's a lot of guys spread out there that are, you know, definitely, you know, the right guys to own on a team if you're going to want to, uh, you know, kind of handle the depth uh, that we have in this league. Yeah, and, and you know, Mike, too, I think that uh, uh, when, when you look over his, you know, who these guys are going to pair with, on uh, his major league club here in in the near future, as they rise through the ranks, uh, it's 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 a very young team too. At least the, the key pieces that presumably he will be counting on the, in the future. You know, with Mustakas and, and Castro and so forth. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be one of the younger, I think, uh, uh, you know, fringe playoff teams in the league. Uh, maybe as soon as next year. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the thing with Wu is there's no real real premium like top ten player, but he actually has the second most uh, number of prospects in the top sixty. He's got eight guys in my uh, my top sixty prospects list, but I think there's only one team that's got more than that. There's no one guy in this system who I'm I'm uh, you know absolutely you know. Uh, uh, I, for some reason, there's no one guy I'm convinced is going to be star on this list. There's 10 guys who I think have a really good shot to be a really good player. So chances are not, not all 10 are going to work out, but I'm thinking three or four of them are going to work out. 
and if you could, you know, turn your system into, you know, one or two good players every year, then I think you're doing a really good job. And he's got enough, you know, depth in this system that I think it's safe to say that he's he's going to get some good good pieces from this system pretty soon. Totally agree. And um, the one thing I, I notice also when I look at uh, the list you put together, Mike, um, I think, you know, several of these prospects are coming from teams like the Astros and the Padres who, who, who those teams themselves kind of slip under the radar. And um, I don't want to say no one's heard of Liriano or uh, Grandel, uh, but, um, you know, they're prospects in their own right. So um, I think he's doing a real, real good job. I think so, too. Well, turning our attention back to back to the East, uh, Mike, I think you may have a thing or two to say about this next club ranked yes. number sixth on the list. That would be the uh, the Rockland Rockets, a pretty high, highly ranked team for for a squad that is that is a strong contender this year. So that's a uh, that's a that's a pretty good pairing, you'd say. Yeah, uh, and and to be honest, the main reason why I'm this high on the list is uh, is Joe Weech. Uh He traded me three of these four guys. I basically got four guys in the top 60 but he also happened to be four in the top 25. And three of those guys were part of the uh, Matt Kemp trade. Hopefully his hamstring gets better soon, Joe. Uh, and that that would be Jameson Tyon, uh, Tyon Walker, and Mr. Nolan Arenado. And then, of course, I got Travis Darno, who's been a, been a rocket for a long, long time. And that's basically the, the, the real strength of my minor league system. Uh, four guys who are in the upper minors, I believe, well, except for Tyon. Uh, Tyon Walker's in double A. Travis should be up any day now, and uh, Nolan's in double A as well, and they rank like 13, 17, 20, and 24 on this list. So um, as far as depth, uh, you know, one could certainly argue there's not great depth. Now, we all love our own prospects. Like, I can tell you, hey, all 20 of my guys are great, and I'm sure everybody would would say the same thing. Uh, What the rankings tell us is I've got four really premium guys and then kind of a bunch of guys that are just after the top 60, and I'm and I'm pretty happy with that spot right now. I, I actually think you have a fair amount of depth, uh, to be to be quite honest. And you know, look, looking up and down things, I spot one guy here really that was on pretty high on my on my waiver claim list to to start the year uh, as far as prospects go, and that was uh, Brandon Nemo from the from the Mets. Uh, you know, certainly a, a a low tier guy in terms of you know in, in context of this this discussion, but. Uh, you know, I can tell you for certain there was at least one more, <laughs> one more individual uh, uh, targeting targeting him at, at some point uh, during the waiver process. But uh, yeah, I think I think you're in good shape, and uh, you know it, it's always a testament when you see uh, when you when you see the the, the top end major league clubs also sporting you know, top end uh, uh, farm systems. You know, it's it's a testament to uh, to, to what they're capable of doing in, in, in this sort of league. That Nemo pick is just uh, Mets colored glasses you're wearing. <laughs> Possibly. What's that, Chris? Oh, I was going to say to Johnny's point before, it's also nice to see you know a lot of Blue Jays on the roster. You know, it's nice to see the hometown team, the hometown interest. Um, but to that effect, I mean, all those guys, you know, maybe they're not all ranked extremely high right now. Listen, any one of those guys could be next year. You know, and I think that's that's an you know an area of strength. Um, you know, everybody's documented how deep that pitching system is, and uh, you know I think 
you know, if they all end up Blue Jays, if they all get traded around because, you know, they want to acquire new pieces, I think there's, you know, going to be a lot of uh, opportunity for all of them. But, uh, you know, the other guy on this list that I actually really like and was looking to pick up earlier this year and missed out was uh, was Cody Buckle. And I think uh, he may not be on these top lists, but he's going to be. So, you know, I think the next time we do this ranking, if he's still on there, uh, he's going to be adding some more points to your team. Unfortunately, chances are he won't be on my team if my track record is uh <laughs> Well, you know my number. <laughs> yeah, i got to give you credit for sneakily grabbing all those Toronto pitches. Very well done, Mike. I mean, also, you know my love for uh, for Walker. I mean, I think I think he's probably the best, uh, best name on this list. And then when We've had a couple look conversations at, on him, haven't we, Johnny? Yeah, and then Darnell and, and Arenado, really, they have a chance to be, you know, in the future, jump into that maybe top five at their position um, talk when they once they reach the majors. I think I'm most sold on Travis Darno, um among these prospects. And uh, what is actually kind of interesting is Travis Darno is the one guy that I got for free on this list. Uh, Tyon Walker and Arenado, you know, were part of the camp trade. Uh, Travis Darnold was was plucked off waivers like uh, two years ago, I think. Yeah, it was. You got him from you know. You got him before I could pick him up. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> guys, let's let's if we can't segue into the into the top five uh, on this year's Black Diamonds in the rough in the rough, excuse me, ranking. Um, and we're just going to continue with uh, with the guys on this show. Actually, for for uh, for this this spot and, and maybe one more, we'll see, Chris. But uh, right now, it's the Killer Car Company, ranked at number five. And, and Johnny, you uh, probably have a lot to say about that, considering um, you were, or, or your club rather, was really the focus uh, of one of the top headlines, I think, of the off season. And what you decided to do with that club. And uh, I guess let's just start by asking this: Are, are you satisfied where you are, ranked number five on this list? Um, considering the strategy you had in mind coming into 2012, uh, I'm satisfied. Top five is top five, man. Um, you know, I, one of the other big pieces I got was Lowry, and, and he's up in the majors, and uh, I'm very satisfied with him. Satisfied with Kipnis. Um, very surprised at what happened to Chassin for for Owens, but um, for for me and my prospects, I think I have the uh, best power prospect that's left um, in the minors in Sanio and the best speed prospect that's, that's in the minors right now in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, I probably have, uh, to me, the best prospect that's left in the minors in Profar. Um, I'm very happy with the way my guys have performed this year, and I'm very happy with the way Hamilton and Ghost, uh, you know, are cutting down their strikeouts. Yeah, and, and I think... Um you know, when you look at the team from a offensive minors perspective, uh, you know, you would question why, you know, Johnny, you say you're not that low, but, you know, you'd question why are you five if you're looking at the, you know, the hitters that are that are in this minor league system. Uh, and I think the one thing you're sacrificing right now with, with having I mean, a lot of great names on here, uh, you know, you're sacrificing some of the pitching depth. And, uh, you know, I think that would be the only concern for me when looking at the system uh, not you know, not that some of the guys aren't on there aren't names that I know and, and names that I uh, you know think could contribute, but obviously you're spreading it more towards the offense right now. So I think that would be the one risk. I mean, if you had some other pitching prospects in here to combine with those guys that you had uh, you know 
that are obviously very highly ranked uh, offensively, I think he would be a lot higher on that list. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, stud hitting is is tougher to get than stud pitching, um, yeah. even though pitching is incredibly valuable in this league. I, it's To me, it's a lot easier to find a pitcher that's going to come up and uh, maybe jump up that list rather than uh, a position player. Um, so that's sure, just my kind of philosophy. Maybe you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I like what you've done, Johnny. I, you know, I, you know, I think there there's still those who are going to question um, question the the road you took, and you know, in, in in a lot of ways, I you know, I could ask some of some of those same questions for you know for some of those deals, and and you know, I'm sure that you have some you're satisfied with, and some you'd like to have back, and we won't get into that right now. But as far as the you know what you've done to remake your club in terms of getting it younger and kind of uh, uh, you know, I, maybe maybe I'm reaching a little bit here, but I almost almost feel like you you yourself seem a bit what's the word re-energized maybe in terms of your club, not 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 in terms of your drive. I think your drive uh, to win a BDL title has not changed, but uh, you know you you've kind of had that you've kind of had that uh, that that sparkle in your eye a little bit in in, in terms of you know <laughs> wanting to wanting to make sure you're you're ahead of the game and. In 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 having the, you know one of if not the best uh, uh, systems out there to to compete not only right now but for you know every, every year for for the foreseeable future. I'm just happy you still noticed the sparkle in my eye, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> I think the real story with uh, the cards, Scotty, is he brought in three top 25 prospects in the off season: Profar Myers and Miguel Sano. Uh, he brings in Brett Lowry. He trades off a lot of veteran pieces. For the entire offseason, all of us say that he'll be lucky to come in third. Well, last year, his team went 548 with all those veteran pieces. This year, he's 605. And he basically rebuilt the minor league system at the exact same time. And I think I think that tells us basically all we need to know about how that plan has worked out. Apparently, it's worked out pretty damn well. Oh, there, there's no doubt of that. You know, I, you know I, I, I've not... Uh you know, I've I've not shied from from being a critic, nor have uh, I. Of, of Johnny's even on this show. I don't think, but I, I I believe I have I have I have qualified every every statement that I have made with with the the, the fact that I you know I'm I'm not I'm not going to sell sell Johnny and the cars short until he until he gives up that north, um, you know because I think there's a there's a there's the benefit of the doubt there for the time being anyway. Yeah, and um, you know you. Have to give it to a club that, is, that has displayed uh, what Johnny has over over the course of, of the history of the league, and right now he's he's uh, you know he's making everybody else look kind of ignorant who who, who doubted him. You know, the crow, we'll the crow has been very tasty for me this year because at the beginning <laughs> of the year, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll see how things stand in the, in in September, but uh, he, yeah, I know, uh, but. It, I, at the beginning of the year, Scotty, when I looked at that lineup, I didn't think there was a chance he was going to contend in that division. I figured there'd be a 20-game gap between Brent and him. <laughs> and, uh, fuck, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to save you. I told you so for when, at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Wise move, Johnny. Wise move. Mm-hmm. Is, is that going to be after, your, after you lock up the playoff berth or after you uh, uh, get your title? <laughs> after that. 
After I beat the cramps in the in the finals. Hey, cramps. The cramps. Scotty, cramps. Wait a second, Scotty. If Johnny plays the cramps in the final, would that mean the entire East was you know not eligible for the playoffs? Because as we know, there can't be a BDL final without an East team, and it's just not. <laughs> it just, that just doesn't happen in our league. Here, here I here I am slobbering all over the cars, and and suddenly you're you're beating the cramps in the finals. <laughs> At least he didn't say the beers. <laughs> He's not drunk, guys. He's not drunk. <laughs> Speaking of, why don't we move on? Uh, number four overall this year's ranking is the Milwaukee Beers. Uh, Tied for so third. Chris. Tied for third, actually, Scotty. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I, I'm looking at, at Mike's faulty spreadsheet. Uh, <laughs> the beers mm-hmm. are actually tied for third. I am sorry. But uh, considering they are alphabetically second among those tied for third, we'll take a look at them first. Uh, so they they play to... in the South Division. Oh. <laughs> three A. Automatic downgrade. <laughs> Chris, you have to feel, I think, pretty good about about where your your, your club is on this ranking. Uh, we were sort of talking a few minutes before we don't, we went on the air here about how when you took over the squad, although it was a, you know, uh, an historic squad, uh, really, that had, you know, won two BDL titles in its in its history um, and still was a strong major league club, I think. You, you, you had virtually no um, uh, usable resources uh, in, in, in your minor leagues, and that has definitely changed here over the course of a couple seasons. Uh, where you sit tied at number three on this ranking. So I know you have to feel pretty good about that. I do. And, you know, I think in terms of the, the style of this league being, you know, how future-oriented it is, you know, you, you know, you want to win championships, but you want to win them over, you know, a long-term period, let's be honest. Um, when I looked at the team, it just didn't look like it could support, you know, kind of a long-term bid. Uh, and that's what I'm looking to do. Um, with you know, with building up the system, and you know, I got lucky with some of the picks. You know, I had some draft picks in that first draft that I think turned out well. Um, you know, I never really had a ton of chips that I could move. Uh, you know, even for my majors that would have returned you know premium premium talent. Uh, so you know, I really tried to focus on building the depth, and you know, I hope that's what I've been able to do in terms of you know having you know X number of guys in this in this top sixty while. None of them are probably, you know, top 15. You know, I'm trying to get a lot of guys in that, you know, secondary range who I think, uh, you know, can be good supporters, but, you know, also have the potential to maybe move up into that top 15, uh, you know, in the future. Yeah, but, I you know, really I like really, I'm happy sorry. with them. I, I, no, I, I really like what you've done. Um, just eyeballing the list here, I think you have the, the third most um, top 60 prospects uh, in, in the entire BDL. Uh, Mike, you can correct me if I'm yep, looking at that right. wrong. But um, it looks like you have, what, seven, seven. Yep. Uh, overall. And, you know, I, I think you, you sp- kind of spread the wealth around a little bit, too. You know, you're, you're looking at about, uh, you know, among those particular players, those seven, uh, you're looking at four, you know, four strong arms, uh, you know, a couple outfielders and an infielder there in, in Lindor, which you, of course, required for me as well as Michael Choice. I did. Um, yes, you did. Um, but, yeah, I, I really like what, what you've done with the club there, and you, you know, I think you have some uh, – some some really nice pieces on which to build here in the next couple seasons, and uh, you know you, you're one of those clubs that you know you the, 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 where you sit in, in 
sit in the BDL right now, you you know you, you're you're in a position to both contend for for a division mm-hmm. and allow you know those those assets to continue to to gain value and grow in your farm system. So you you kind of you're kind of like one other team on this list who will um, uh, discuss momentarily that uh, you know really is really in a, in a good place um, in, in in both regards. When I look at his system, Scotty, it actually reminds me a lot of the Wu. I think those two minor league systems are very, very, very similar. As in both systems, there's no one guy that I'm really committed to that you know the guy's going to be a star. But again, there's seven or eight guys that I really like, and I'm pretty sure two or three of them are going to turn out. You know, which just means he's going to have two or three more assets to his major league t- club. And again, uh, playing in the South, as we mentioned with uh, with Mark, if you can with EO. Right now, he is contending for a title. If he can add, you know, a piece a year, a couple pieces a year, it's a team that is going to contend uh, for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I'm mad impressed with what uh, Chris has done since he came to the league. I think when Ern used to uh, look at the draft, he he was trying to decide between Andrew Luck and RG3. <laughs> um, he, he really, I love the guy, but he had no clue, and. Uh, I think uh, he's going to make you look very foolish, Scotty, with, with that Danny Holton pick. Um, uh, I, it, Chris was uh, talking about that for a while, leading up to the draft, and uh, uh, he, I think he's right on. And um, yeah, I think it, Danny Holton could have been the key to a to a championship for me this year, Johnny. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the the, the guy that's uh, actually surprising me the most and uh, could really turn into something special uh, is Lindor. I. I really didn't think that highly of him coming into the year. Um, uh, he's he's definitely proved me wrong. Yeah, I mean, it was nice for me to be able to pick him up from you, Scotty. I mean, it, it's kind of funny because it was another guy I was looking to draft in the first round, and he just ended up going, you know, one or two picks before uh, my second first rounder. So, you know, I mean, obviously I got three guys from you in that beachy deal that I feel, you know, could have helped. I mean, obviously, I dealt one of them in Cox to kind of, uh, you know, get a little bit different spread of talent. But, you know, I mean, you gave up Beachy. I mean, you figure Beachy's going to be a long-term starter. But, you know, I just looked at my pitching and said, you know, is Beachy going to win me games this year? Is he going to win me games over the next couple of years? Maybe. But, you know, I didn't have enough of a team to kind of keep him. So I just figured, you know, why not try and grab some of those you know, some of the, the higher-level minor league talent to at least, you know, hopefully hopefully they pan out. I mean, you never know, but that's the risk you have to take. Yeah, and I, I really regretted um, having to let go of, of, of Lindor. Um, I, I do think he's going to be a valuable player in this league, especially in a couple, not, not necessarily that he'll be up in a couple years, but, um, you know, when he is up by that time, uh, we'll have, you know, of course, our new active positions, um, you know, uh, middle infielder in specific. Um, that oh yeah, about those. Yeah, yeah, about those. That <laughs> <laughs> that players uh, I think of his stature are, are really going to to thrive in in terms of their values in, in this league. So yeah, that was a, that was a tough one to swallow. But you you knew, you knew what you wanted, and yeah. uh, you know, got to got to pay the price. <laughs> okay, Chris, and actually tied with you at number three on this list. Uh, same same valuation across the board for both teams uh, is uh, Joe's Amish Brotherhood, and I know after the the seesaw of an off season that he that he has had with that club, he's he's probably going to be pleased to to see that see that ranking where the Amish are 
um, here on Black Diamonds in the Rough. Um, yeah, I think he's got, he's got a lot of uh, you know real excitement uh, uh, around his team right now for for some of these guys and. Uh, one in specific, uh, specific, of course, he he uh, he acquired for me. Actually, several he acquired for me. But um, I, I think that he has the um, uh, the single best pitching prospect in baseball right now, aside from Matt Moore, um, and that's uh, Dylan Bundy. I think he's going to be um, to to say he's going to be a special player uh, is an understatement uh, in my mind. But he does he does have other great uh, great prospects that that i have that i both envy or have owned uh trevor bauer to be uh, to be another uh jared parker um you know he, he he's got he's got a good cast what is kind of frightening scotty is when you said he might have the best pitching prospect in all of baseball i didn't think you were talking about Dylan bundy i thought you were talking about trevor bauer and that's <laughs> how good the top of his talent is what is what's, what's kind of funny about this ranking is him and chris have the same total score ranking, and their systems couldn't be different. Right. Uh, Joe's got four guys, and I might take all four of those guys over anyone in the beer system, but the beers have got, like, seven or eight guys in the top 16. Joe's got those four. But those four are four special guys in in, um, in Bauer, Bundy, uh, Uenis Espedes, and Jared Parker. Um, he, he's got four really special talents there. And the the, the one problem I had putting this list together was was how do you differentiate between the the really special and the special and it's it's very hard to to make that break like what's the difference between a Trevor Bauer and a Tyler Skaggs value wise like Bauer on this list was number 12 Skaggs was number 18 now you wouldn't think that's a real big drop. Like twelve and eighteen isn't you know a, a far drop on the system. But if you ask all sixteen managers in this league, would you rather have Trevor Bauer or Tyler Skaggs? I think or fifteen for sure would probably say Trevor Bauer. So it becomes an issue of how much of a difference is there uh, with with the value between those two players. Um, so with, with with Joe again, he he has four guys that are just premium premium guys. And four guys I'm pretty convinced are going to be really good major leaguers. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that completely. And, and, you know, I think the interesting thing from my perspective, being tied and, you know, everybody kind of agrees that we have completely opposing systems, um, I might actually lean towards this type of system, even for myself. You know, I mean, I would love to have that, you know, that premium talent that, you know, is almost guaranteed to be projected. Uh, you know, because then you do have some room in terms of tweaking, uh, you know, some guys that, uh, you know, you may end up liking. You know, you have some guys that you can switch in and all that kind of thing, but you're always going to have those, you know, like you said, top-tier guys. Um, but beyond that, you know, I think that's the one challenge in this system. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to <laughs> discourage anybody from the system because obviously it's tied for third with myself, Um but I think there are some moves that could be made here, you know. And as good as this system is with those top-tier guys, I think it could be better. So it's not not, not necessarily a challenge uh, to Joe, but I think, um, you know, I think this could be an even stronger system, I guess, is my, my ultimate comment on that. Yeah, for me, the Amish, it, they're a little tough to figure out. I, see, I absolutely love, <laughs> I absolutely love what they've done but I absolutely cannot figure out what they're doing. 
if that makes any sense. <laughs> Love what they've um, done, but you can't figure out what they're doing. Got it. No, I mean, coming into the year, like... That's actually a pretty fair statement, though. <laughs> well, coming into the year, like Mike had said about the uh, the Rebels, you know, that they look at their division and they say, you know, I can get younger um, because I, I can still compete. I, I immediately took offense to that because I was thinking to myself, I can get younger and still compete. But then that's not the reason I got younger. The reason I got younger is because I was looking at the Amish and I was looking at the Wallabies and I saw they had all this talent and I knew my guys were like 80 years old and Chase Utley blows now. <laughs> so it's just like I I would think I, there's no reason his record or uh, the Wallabies record can't be what my record is right now. I think he's done a great job. Um, Joe's one of my favorite guys in the league, and I can't wait till he makes it to one of these PDO weekends. Okay, guys, moving into our top two, um, we have what I think maybe maybe the the most uh, compelling and at the same time controversial slot uh, on this entire ranking. And actually, it is a is a it is a hold steady from last year's ranking, if I remember correctly. Mike, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And that will be the Crawford Cramps at number two overall. Yep. And uh, the man, the man responsible for having me to redo all these rankings about three or four <laughs> days ago. Um, uh, uh, the Cramps, as of three days ago, were not number two, but there was uh, uh, what a 14-player trade uh, <laughs> that happened two or three days ago that kind of uh, threw these rankings uh, completely on their ear. Um, the the great thing about the story of the Cramps. Is he had a great minor league system last year and a team that wasn't very good, and he's got a great minor league system this year, and he might have the best team in the BDL, and uh, and that's saying something. When you could maybe have the best team in the BDL and you've still got Bryce Harper and Matt Moore and Carlos Martinez and Martin Perez and James Paxton, that's that's pretty good and that's pretty scary, because if those guys all pan out, you know you're just adding to basically the machine that his team is right now, uh, we might be looking at the next dynasty. And I hope I'm wrong, but I would not be surprised. And as a matter of fact, I think I kind of predicted this about a year ago, uh, that this was going to be the team that was going to go on a long run, maybe kind of the way that Bill's team went on their long run. Uh, This team is beautifully constructed. They've got basically stars everywhere in the major league team, and they've been able to keep their best, like they've traded a lot of great prospects, but they've been able to keep their best hitting prospect in Harper and their best pitching prospect in Matt Moore, and they've got other prospects beneath them. So I love what Brian has done with this team. Yeah, and, and Mike, to, to, to build on, on your point a little bit, uh, just looking at the overall um, point valuation uh, of, of this minor league system, um, it is a 275 uh, now, yeah, uh, c- comprised uh, or the players that, uh, uh, of the players that comprise that that number are, of course, Bryce Harper and Matt Moore, who still uh, fall under our minor league eligibility uh, rules mm-hmm. here in the BDL. Each of those players um, takes up a solid hundred points of that ranking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remove those two players from uh, from the Cramps ranking this year, and. What's that? You know, if you if you do that, the team isn't in the top ten anymore. Yeah, the team is actually tied with the with the Generals at number twelve. Was that bad? Huh? Yeah, that bad, uh, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
but uh, it, it, and that's why I say it's it's a it's a it's it's a very compelling ranking, and um, you know it, it's funny too to see how what, what to see the mirror of, of the squad uh, rank number two um, on, on this list, and and uh, at the time that we are recording this, rank number two in the BDL uh, overall, probably I think for the first time in franchise history this late in the season. So the Cramps really uh, having a great year, and as you say, Mike, they're they're you know, Brian's onto something with the squad. It, mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a strong, strong squad for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll go ahead. I'll put it this way: when I saw the ranking before the trade of Brian's system, it made me want to cry. <laughs> when I saw the ranking of Brian's system after the trade, it made me want to cry. <laughs> so it, it was the kind of the thing that you see all that. You know all that premium talent going out the door, and he's still ranked high. So it's like, you know, you can say, all right, well, it's Harper and it's Moore. They're you know in the majors, but I mean, they still have a ton of value. You know, they may not be a quote unquote prospect because they're they're up there, they're in the show, but they're still worth it. You look at the rest of the team, it's still there's still pieces in here. You know, and I think that's the key. It's again, it may not be the guys that are still in these top twenty because they got dealt all the way, but there's still tons of pieces. So I think you know, you guys are get, you guys are hitting it right. He's he's going to have a good system, you know, majors for a long time, and I think his minors are going to be just as strong. You know, I mean, obviously there's a bit of luck in acquiring those guys that are always going to be at the top, but it seems like he uh, he has the knack. What's scary, Chris, is there's pieces in the minor league system. There's no holes in the major league system. Like exactly. if guys, if guys pan out, well, where the hell are you gonna play? Like, <laughs> he's, he's set at every friggin' position right now. It, mm-hmm. It's fret like he's got Posey, Adrian Gonzalez, Cano, Batista, Andrews, Harper, Hayward, McCutcheon, Sandfall. That's yeah. I guess those are okay. That that's <laughs> that's sick. And there's not a lot of old guys on that list. These guys are gonna be good for a long time. Uh, so he can basically take those minor league systems and just kind of add an arm at the deadline or just add a closer. Like, he is sure. kind of hand-picking extras on his team because the base is set, and the base is set for a while. So, you know, oh, God. <laughs> this team is going to be good for a long freaking time. I wish I was wrong on this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like what the Cranks have done. Um, for me, it's it's a little bittersweet. I mean, because I, I like Brian, and I actually want to see him do really well. Um, uh, I really respect Bill, and, and I, I want nothing more than to take his regime down. Uh, already and done, Brian, already, Johnny. Don't worry. Take care of <laughs> I think Brian's Problem doing a great time. Problem solved. Well, he, he does what, you know, I always preach. It's like you got to stay active in this, and you got to um, – he's making the right moves, it looks like. But to what Scotty said with um, – you know, most of his value in, this, in these rankings we're doing here today, made up of Harper and Moore, um, it, it does speak to the sense that they're already in the majors helping him. Um, and he's traded away, as we'll discuss in a second, a lot of talent. And I just hope it doesn't, like, backfire. I mean, I've seen Scotty go through this way too many times to know that it, it backfires. I mean, it only takes one week to, to lose in the finals, and I know that firsthand. Sure. I think the thing with these systems, though, Johnny, is we can't, as much as we, we all enjoy kind of making fun of the cars, not winning a title, I don't I don't think we can judge the quality of a plan 
based on luck in the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs, it's all luck. Like, except for last year, where it was completely well-deserved for me. But, you know, with the exception of last year, it is, it's just all luck. You know, you build a team, you build them to make the playoffs. And in a perfect world, you build them to get a bye, so you only have to be lucky twice. But we can only really, you know, grade the quality of a plan based on where we put a team at the beginning of the playoffs. Once you get there, you know, it, it really comes down to, you know, are guys hurt? You know, do, you know, do, do teams stink and they shut guys down? You know, there, there's so many factors that are completely out of our control at that point. I, I, I think we can only really grade a plan based on where you put them. And the Cramps are going to be a top-two seed, I'm pretty convinced, at the end of the season. And if you would have told me last year when we had this call, when we were going through the systems, that the top two minor league systems then were the Generals and the Cramps, and if you would have told me those two teams were going to be one and two in the BDL this year, but they would have had to sell off the majority of their minor league system, both of those guys would have gladly signed up for that. And that's, that's basically what's happened. Yeah, and we'll, uh, I think we'll maybe talk a little more about that in just a minute, too. Uh, uh, Mike, we'll go over some of the some of the key headlines, I think, from, from, from what this list has produced. But uh, let's, let's ever, ever so briefly, I'm talking like 90 seconds worth, uh, move on to number one in our overall ranking. And, and that is the Crystal River Mavericks. Uh, a ranking made possible mainly by the uh, the, the mega trade that that went down uh, earlier this week, where uh, where the Cramps acquired uh, Adam Wainwright and and Robinson Cano among others. Um, I, I know for for as much as much crap as as Michael liked to talk earlier in the in the off season, and and you know where where his team is right now in the standings. Uh, this, this has to feel pretty good uh, for Mike. It's a great system, Scotty. Uh, that trade's got a lot to do with it, obviously. He's got nine guys in the top 60. He's got four in the top 10. Uh, his, top, his top prospects are Shelby Miller and Julio Turan, prospect 6 and 7, both of which he got from Brian in that trade. He also got Anthony Rendon, prospect number 21 in that trade. He got Archie Bradley, number 22 in that trade, and Drew Pomeranz, number 30. So... Basically, over half of the score, actually probably when you look at the points, probably two-thirds of his score, is based specifically on that trade. I thought he made an amazing trade. I thought that was just fantastic. He he found the team that most desperately wanted those two assets, and he sold them at a premium price. And sure. he did it early enough in the season that a team... What, what's, what's kind of funny is people always talk about the trade deadline. Go get guys at the trade deadline. I think it's much better to go get guys a month and a half before the trade deadline because you get to use those guys for an extra month and a half. I and agree. I think that's what Brian did. He said, you know what, I can wait till July, but there's a team called the Damage that's right behind me, and, and it'd be nice if I could open up a little bit of space on this guy, so let me go make my move now. And if it means i got to trade... And again, the beauty of Brian is he's not trading. You know, for, for the majority of teams in this league, one, we can't make a trade like that, and two, if we did, we would be trading our five best prospects to do it. Brian is, is in a position where he can trade his third, fourth, fifth, and sixth best prospect and make a trade like that. So it's a real win-win. Owen's got more value than he could have possibly got from any other source. And Brian was able to bring in assets at a time 
where his his chief competitor isn't able to make that kind of trade. It's it's your classic win-win trade. Yeah, you know, I I, I know I, I think I give I think I give Mike uh, Mike a hard time, uh, uh, you know, just about every day on 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 Yahoo Messenger, and we we have we have a good time. Uh, Ribbing each other a little bit over over this and that, but no, I, I think Mike did uh, did really well uh, with this deal. And 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 more to your point, Mike, uh, these two teams um, earlier this week, the Mavericks and the Cramps, they they were a, they were a perfect match for each other for this type of move right now. You know, Brian needed those those pieces to really solidify his place not only in the West but in the BDL as a whole. And um, you know, Mike. I, I feel like I'm pretty pretty confident in, in saying that that he knew what he needed to do early on. You know, he he, he wanted to compete. You know, I, I think Mike Owens is a you know he he's a competitor. He he wants to go out and win, and he he tried to hold to that for as long as he could. But I, I think he knew deep down what he needed to do for that club at this point in time, and and he went out and did it. He he, he finally flipped those guys that that uh, you know that we all said he should, and and uh, he he. He got a, a great, great return on those assets. Yeah, I mean, not to mention this is a system that already had Garrett Cole in it. You know, <laughs> you know, we could talk about all the pieces that came in, but you know, he still even had, uh, you know, not a ton of top prospects before the deal, but he had guys in there that, uh, you know, can still contribute. So, I mean, you take kind of a system that had, you know, definitely, arguably, some good players, and you're adding in, you know. <laughs> Obviously, better than good players, uh, but I think you guys touched on it exactly. I think this was the deal that needed to happen, and you know it was nice to see that it did happen, and it was nice to see that it panned out. Meaning, in terms of, it gave him so much value that he rocketed to this to this number one spot, and you know I think that's what the perfect return was. You know, like we all we're all saying the whole time, prospects are prospects, but the guys that he got, I mean. I would legitimately be 100% surprised if they did not, you know, if all of them did not pan out for some reason and end up to be the quality that Cano was, you know, the quality that Wainwright was. I mean, that's, that's you know, some big shoes to fill, but I don't see why these guys couldn't do that. Absolutely. Owens, yeah, for me, uh, I would like to say specifically to you, you deserve this number one spot. You did a great job with the system. Um, for many reasons, not just this last trade, because you came into this league and you said, Jesus Montero is not going anywhere. Okay, Last year, you drafted Garrett Cole and Ethan Waiting. This year, uh, a few rounds later, you drafted Oscar Tavares, who's also on this list. And of the nine total players you have in the top 60 as of the beginning of the year here, they may not all be superstars, uh, you know, Bryce Harper-like, um, they're all pretty much going to be all-stars. I, I mean, that's that's a pretty safe, I mean, as safe as you can call it. Uh, they're on that level. So it's right below, and it's a ton of talent uh, ready to come up and help. I think you made the right move, and also I, you did it without trading right, and um, that to me was a huge key. Another player on this list that isn't, even, isn't on this list is uh, Desmond Jennings. Uh, I thought the key to that trade. So, I mean, Mike Owens, the clear winner of this year's, you know, black diamonds in the rough. I mean, well-deserved top spot here. Uh, the, the very clear winner. Last year, uh, we 
pretty much had a had a had a one A and a one B um, on, on this ranking. But but this year the the Mavericks absolutely ran away with the ranking. When you look at the overall um, team value, there it is uh, way way ahead uh, of, of second place. What's kind of interesting about the system, too, guys, is he's not going to have a lot of guys that graduate to the majors for next year. So assuming he keeps all of these guys, or the team that's number two, the Cramps, and his two top prospects drop off this list. So when you really compare his team to the next team, we're really looking at the difference between the Mavericks and the Amish. And based on the scoring system I have, the Mavericks have a score of 420, the Amish have 210. So he and the Pierce. Sorry, sorry, that's true. And the, the Amish and oh, so we'll put it this way: the Amish and the Beers combined are as good as the Mavericks. Hey, maybe Crazy. me and Joe together run one team. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that might shorten Joe's uh, seven-year plan. Yeah, <laughs> the what six guys? <laughs> hey. Sorry, man. <laughs> uh, that was no, a shot at uh, Joe, not a shot at you. Sorry. <laughs> But before we before we wrap up, guys, let's. Um, uh, I actually wanted to take a look at, at maybe what we consider the the, the biggest storylines, the biggest headlines coming coming out of this year's ranking. And I've actually got uh, three things in specific jotted down. Uh, we'll see if we can get to all three of them. But uh, Mike, uh, uh, you 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 sort of touched on it uh, uh, a few minutes ago when we were talking about the Crawford Cramps being ranked number two. What do you think is the single biggest story coming out of this list this year? Uh, single biggest story. Oh, boy. Uh, it's, it's probably got to be the, more, the, the most obvious story is the Mavericks. I think the other story that kind of comes out of this list is the Norcal damage. Uh, the damage aren't in the – there were three teams that didn't have a prospect in the top 60, and the damage was one of those teams. And I think the reason why this is a story is the Cramps have kind of jumped over him, and they've jumped over him with young talent, and they have a better minor league system now. Now, when you're chasing someone, I think it's always best when you can say, all right, I'm chasing them, but my team is younger, and I've got more pieces in the minors. Where his team's not younger. It's, it's not even close to younger. And he doesn't have as many pieces in the minors as the Cramps. So for, for me, the biggest story is the team that wasn't anywhere near the playoffs last year have jumped over the team that won the most games last year and have done it in a way where he's, he has a very young team and he's got young pieces beneath him that are going to continue to feed the system. What I, what I would say about that real quick um, is if you looked at these rankings at the end of last year, um, it might be a little different because uh, – Bill took a chance on uh, Tim Lincecum in the offseason. He did. And the reason the guards are ranked as high as they are is, I mean, I've got Profile, I've got Myers, a um, couple, pitch- couple pitchers, um, Rosario. Um, you know, he'd have been higher on the list, but he did what he always does and um, goes for that elite major league pitching. And um, I bet if you were to take a poll today, um, he would have grabbed that next round of talent uh, that that probably starting to get ranked right about now. The thing that's interesting, though, Johnny, is in previous years when he's done that, he's always seemed to have kind of those four or five guys that were kind of just on the edges of lists 
but who had rocket launchers attached to them, and you knew, you, who you knew were going to come up. Now, granted, they were never as good as he hyped the guys out to be, but there was always a couple guys, like when he got Profar, like people were talking about Profar already. People kind of knew if this worked out, this guy was going to be a stud. And there was always two or three guys like that in the system. I'm not seeing those two or three guys anymore. So, you know, it, it's I, I'm sure in time he could acquire those guys, but I'm not seeing them now. And the fear I have is, or for him at least, you know, for me it's certainly not a fear, but if I'm in his shoes and I'm looking at the cramps, it's going to be hard for me. If, if if right now I've been jumped, it's going to be very hard for me to find a way to jump back over him. Because he's got, he's got assets that I don't have. Mike, when we, uh, when we did this, this ranking last year, uh, of course the top two spots belong to the the generals and the cramps. Now, at that time last year, this would have been, I guess, late June, maybe early July last year. We did the show. Yeah. Um, both of those teams were practically already, at least I know mine was, hopelessly uh, out of the playoff race, even this this, this early in the, in the season. And one year later, we are we are doing the the, the second edition of this of this ranking. And those same two teams are ranked one and two in the entire BDL. What what does that tell you? The thing it tells me is prospects should not be looked at as the players who will become your stars. Prospects should be looked at as assets. Uh, what was interesting, I think I think you and Johnny talked about this on one of your I don't know if it's the last episode or the one before that, and you guys were talking about. Does Brian's uh, move up to the top of the West tell us that you can build a farm system and win? And you guys both said, yeah, that's about the best proof you can have. But when I look at that, that's not the way I look at it. When, when I look at Brian's team, and Scotty, when I look at your team, what it tells me is you need to build up your minor league system, but it's not, it's not to feed your major league system so much. It's to have assets. Th- those are assets down there. And of those 20 minor league players, you're, you're going to be jackpot lucky if you get one a year that turns into a reliable player for you. But what you have, though, are 20, 20 trade chips, and it's important that you use those trade chips. And the perfect example, as much as the crafts are a good example, the generals are a much better example. The generals, after the draft, had like 25 really good prospects. And he had, you know, at that point, Scotty had two choices. He could have continued to build and then hope that all of these guys come together at the same time and then hope when they all come together that there was a gap where he could kind of make his run. Or you could just start trading those assets and get get legitimate star players, and that's what, which is exactly what you did. You traded almost the entire minor league system and you went from having a horrible major league team. Well, I won't say horrible, but you know, a very. Oh, I would. You know, <laughs> but it was a team that wasn't good, but it was a team that had two or three stars on it, and you were able to basically plug stars everywhere else by basically completely diluting your minor league system. And that's how a minor league system has to be used. It shouldn't be thought of as okay, you know, uh, I'm building, and then you know the guys in Triple A are going to be my major league players next year. That's that's never going to work, you know. As much as we all think we're geniuses, we're never going to be able to hit at a percentage that 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 plan is going to work. 
what what you have to do is you have to build the team properly, and when the time is right, when the, when the spot is there, you need to have those assets in the miners, and you need to be able to flip them. And that's what Scotty did, and that's what Brian did this year. It's what I did last year. It's what Bill has basically been doing every year that I've been in the league. And you know, if you want to win, that's that's how those players need to be used. We'll see. I'm yet to see an example of a team that has drafted a bunch of players, and those players have become the stars on their team. I'm yet to see one. And as much as people want to say Brian is the example, he's really not. If you look at that roster, that that's not really how he got most of his star players. You know, like some came that way, but most of them didn't. Uh, that that's true, but I, you know, I think you know, you know, to, to your point, it's. You know, I, I I don't know that. I, well, I should. I'm sure some did assert that. Uh, you know it, that it couldn't be done to build a team uh, that way and feed everyone into your major league club. But uh, I, I guess my overall point in in defending, you know, like Brian's position and and, and what he was doing there for for so many years was that. Um, just as you say, Mike, that it, it, you know, it, it gives you assets. You're building assets, and you know, even when I was going through my rebuild for the last couple seasons uh, leading up to this year, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to see uh, most of those guys graduate to 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 the big club, and because you know, when you when you scout these guys and research them and hold on to them for so long, you know, you you. You grow attachments to some of them. You know, you, yeah. you really are high on some of those guys. But um, when, when it comes down to it, and you look at the time frame that it's going to take, it never works. It, 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 it I, don't, I don't know that it can work. No, to, it can't. To, to wait that long. I mean, you know, I, I'm. I, I think it, it can work to, you know, if you, you know, if you have the, the patience of Abraham, but <laughs> well, we you don't. Know, that I, but, I don't. Yeah, but the thing is, Scotty, you don't. Nobody does. No one is so patient that they're gonna put together a seven or eight year plan and wait to see if it works. Because like, it's one thing if we know it's gonna work, and you say, okay, in seven or eight years, I know this plan has come together, and I'm gonna win titles. Well, if you can guarantee yourself that, then you're gonna wait, you know, a bunch of years, and it's gonna work. But it's quite another where you take three or four years stinking and just building up your system, and then you hope that everything works out. Well, what a piss-off it would be if it doesn't work, and you've just blown the last four or five seasons, and this great master plan of yours turned into two stars and a bunch of kind of decent pieces. And chances are that's what any minor league system is going to turn into. Like, the, the best example I came up with is four or five years ago, I, uh, I put together my minor league system, and I actually have a, a thread in my folder there on the website, um, and it, it, the title was The Best Minor League System in the BDL. And at the time, it was the best minor league system in the BDL. And if you look at those 20 guys right now, there's two guys who are legitimate players in, in Major League Baseball. One of them is J.P. and Sibia, and I can't remember the other one is. <laughs> if I would have sat on that roster for three or four years, I would have been la in last place every year between now and then, and I'd still be in last place now. It, it would have been great. It, yeah, it would have been, but it's... it's yeah, but you would have had uh, Harper and Strasburg. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> like, it, like it just one. It's it's just so hard to to put to put together a team that way. It's much easier to draft your Harpers and Strasburgs 
and make those guys kind of the big pieces on your team and then sell off the rest of your prospects to plug the rest of the holes. I think that's a much better formula, and I think that's what Brian has done, and I think that's what Scotty's done, and I think that's the reason why it's going to work. Just one, one more point um, that, that I think I see coming out of this list, one, one more headline, I should say, and, and I, I guess this is really going to be a, a bone toss to, to the guys that we've kind of given a hard time this year. Um, as, much, as much love and affection as we have uh, as we have thrown uh, the South Division's way on the show, on the boards, uh, you know, tw- twelve other members of this league outside of the South Division, I think you know, kind of had a, <laughs> had a little fun at the South's expense this year. But um, one other thing that we can take away from this list is that fact aside, um, the South has two of the top four teams on this list. Or, I'm sorry, top three teams. Top three, yeah. <laughs> you forget. Sorry, Chris. Um, two of the top three teams uh, on this ranking, you know, are, are, are South Division teams. And so, you know, as much as we can you know, poke fun at them right now, um, we, we, we see evidence right in front of us that, um, you know, some of these guys are, are really making – Making strides to turn things around, and you know it, it's it's not going to be this same story in the South for very long. Yeah. And I think you know when you look a little deeper, uh, although the Rebels are ranked, what were they ranked? Uh, ninth, ninth in the Panthers overall. Uh, you know, going forward the next five years, looking at the pieces they have right now, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm much more excited for that team than what this ranking reflects. Uh, yeah. They they have a lot of good young pieces that are not reflected on this list that are already pr- producing for them in the majors. You know, you look at your Freddie Freeman-type players that he, that he has. And, your Mark uh, Trumbos. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and that, that team is going to be, you know, it, it's already obviously a division contender, but it's going to be much better than it is right now in, in a couple seasons. And, you know, you, you add that to what the Mavericks and the, uh, the Beers are doing, and, uh, you know, you're going to see a South Renaissance sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with the South, and we've all had a lot of fun, me me in particular, you know, I've had a lot of fun, kind of poking fun at the South, but I think the thing that gets mentioned every time we kind of do this is this is cyclical. You know, when when I joined the league, the East had two of the worst teams, you know, in the league. There was me and West the West what the West Carthage Heartbreakers is that right, Scotty? Yep. Yeah, correct. We both we both sucked, and we both sucked for a long time. Uh, so you know th- this is completely cyclical. In two or three years, I would not be surprised if the South had one of the two top seeds, just because there's four smart guys in the division. Like if we had four dummies in the division, then I'd expect if they you know if you stink today, you're probably gonna stink in a few years. But we have four managers who know what they're doing. So in time, it's just a question of when. What is their plan? You know, and, and we basically have four guys there, none of whom are really going for it right now. So it's to be expected their major league teams aren't going to be very good. And if your major league teams aren't very good, but then your minor league team better be good. And in the case of the South, all four of their minor league teams are good. You know, the Mavericks have a great system. The Beers have a great system. I like the Rebels. And the Panthers, while not in the top ten, if I would have expanded this list from the top top 60 to, say, the top 100, 
Uh, Scott goes from having two guys on this list to having six or seven guys on this list. So, you know, the, the guys in the South, I think, are doing it right. It's just right now the teams aren't good, and we're just going to have, you know, some fun, you know, for the next year or so. But <laughs> at some point they're going to be good, and they're going to, you know, be poking us when, you know, you know when, when the teams in, you know, the North are terrible and the teams in the West are terrible. I'm sure, you know, the teams in the East are always going to be great. But when the teams in the North and West are terrible, the South is going to be laughing at those guys, you know. It's just how it works. Yeah, and I mean, speaking as as someone in that group that was mentioned, you know, I mean, I think, you know, while we are, uh, you know, sarcastically <laughs> invite the uh, all the hate that the South gets, you know, I think at least, at least shows that we understand how to get to the right place. While we may not be there right now, you know, and part of that is because maybe we're the new, you know, the new members of the group, and, you know, there might be reasons why we ended up taking over these teams, not, you know, if you get what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're getting there, and I think that's good. I mean, I, I enjoy that from seeing the South, you know, you know kind of having these nice ranks, and, you know, even you mentioned the Panthers not on the list, but, you know, they got guys that are, uh, you know, can help. So, you know, you don't look at these systems uh, in the South by any means and say, you know, this isn't something that can turn around, and you know, for everybody, you know, myself included, but you know, the other guys in the division, it's good to see that, uh, you know, as you said, I think we have the right pieces to turn it around, and you know, we'll see how that pans out. Again, nothing's for sure. Thanks, guys. That wraps up, I believe, the 2012 edition of Black Diamonds in the Rust. In the I cannot get that right tonight. Black Diamonds in the Rough. Uh, Mike, of course, again, we uh, we thank you for your for your work and putting this list together and. Of course, Chris, for joining us, too. It was a lot of fun to have you both on. I hope to talk to you both soon, uh, shortly. Very great. Honey. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Okay, man. Uh, thanks, guys, uh, Mike and Chris. Uh, that was a whole lot of fun. Um, we spent a lot of time <laughs> discussing uh, minor league prospects, and that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so let's move, Scotty, right into running the bases. Parkview. Jason Hamill might be the most shot pitcher in the BDO this season. He's a surprise impact arm in 2012. Does he finish the year with the Panthers? Um, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say he does. I'm going to say that Jason Hamill uh, is one of the pieces that, that Scott decides to hold on to to kind of build on for, for next year a little bit. You know, um, I, I think it, you know, the price he's trying to, to, to shop Hamill at is, is just... Um, not going to be very conducive to, to a lot of uh, happy trade negotiations right now, and Scott has every right to do so. Uh, you know, but when you look at, at uh, Hamill's three-year averages, you know, nine wins, certainly not a not a strikeout per inning, and in an ERA that's over four and a half. You know, significantly um, worse numbers than than what he's put up this year. Uh, you know, an ERA of 3.2, um, almost a strikeout per inning, and already. Uh, six wins on the year, and that's great. You know, Hamill may have turned the corner, but uh, I think when uh, prospective buyers are looking at Hamill, they are looking at more just than just uh, this year's stats, and I think that's going to result in in uh, in Hamill remaining with the Panthers uh, for the foreseeable future. Hmm. I gotta disagree with you. I I think uh, Scott's actually become a lot more patient in terms of trading. Um, I used to trade as often as Mike, and most of the times it was with Mike. But um, 
with so many teams in that wild card hunt, I gotta think uh, one of them um, would like to add another arm uh, just to push them a little bit further. And I think, uh, you know, if it's gonna help uh, the Panthers, I think Scott pulls the trigger for sure. Crawford, it's June 14th in the cramps. Uh, first baseman, Adrian Gonzalez, is sporting a 266 average to go along with his five home runs. Is this, is it time for patience or panic for the West leader? Um, I, I, I think it's time for patience. I don't think it's time to panic. We're talking about one of the premier first basemen in all of baseball. And, uh, you know, you can, you can throw out all your, all your theories that you want to about why he is uh, st still struggling at this point in the year. But um, the fact remains that um, Gonzalez has been one of the most consistent uh, uh, hitters and, and fantasy producers for, for several years. And, you know, uh, people panic too often. You know, these guys don't just suddenly forget how to hit. You know, we, maybe there's a nagging injury we're just not aware of that's causing some problems, but uh, outside of something like that, I, I have no reason to believe that he won't uh, flip a switch pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to cop out and say uh, right in the middle between patience and panic. I don't think panic at all, but um, yeah, Gonzalez has, has shown some, you know, hit and miss. One year he'll hit 25, the next year he'll hit 40. So I don't know that you could predict totally the power coming back, but being in that uh, Red Sox lineup uh, helps for sure. So I would definitely hold on to him. Uh, Richmond! <laughs> the Rebels just went 1-1 with a tie against the South, including a loss against the now division-leading Beers. Contrary to preseason opinions, do we have a legitimate race in the division? I don't think there's any doubt we have a legitimate race, and it's going to be a close one. I mean, this is looking like... You know, the way these two teams are playing right now, um, just kind of the, the back and forth, you know, it kind of puts you in mind of the old Rebels and Falcons uh, races. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see here going down to the wire. One of these two teams is going to win this division by, you know, a game and a half or three games. And, um, and, and the other team is going to be kicking itself because I don't think we're going to see a wild card. Certainly, we're not going to see a wild card come out of the South this year. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a legitimate race. I don't think, see either team jumping way, out, way ahead of the other. Um, I would say it looks like Chris has taken um, a more conservative approach. So, I, I'm, like I mentioned, uh, wildcard team looking to add a piece. I think Chris is going to do what's best for his club long term. Um, so, you know, we'll have to wait and see because his team just continues to produce. It doesn't matter who he gets rid of. Um, uh, so, lastly, Gotham City Generals starting pitcher Andy Pettit, who was acquired for a fifth-round pick from the Rockets several weeks ago, has tallied over 40 strikeouts and just over 40 innings since returning to the Yankees with a sparkling 2.808 ERA. Where does this rank among the Rockland GM's worst trades ever? I'm going to say it's his single worst trade of all time. It may, in fact, cost him a title. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot for this one. Um, his trades are a blur to me. <laughs> <laughs> they all run together. I, he's traded every every player in the in the BDL, I think. So. Um, A bad one. <laughs> you like that? It, it, it uh, upset. Let me just say this. Uh, I used to uh, 
rampage on the boards about guys not being around and not, you know, participating enough. And um, it's not like that anymore. And I, I love it. Um, one thing I'll say, I, I'll miss, I miss Kevin. He doesn't comment too much. I miss Craig. He's not around too much. Um, but this isn't a rampage. This is me saying, I miss you guys. This is awesome. And I think like we had Mike and Chris on, uh, we need to get more of you on more often. Um, it's a great league, and I am so looking forward to BDL weekend. Awesome. Yep, guys, that's right. Next time you see our sexy faces, it will be at Wrigley Field in Chicago. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, Johnny, looking forward to seeing you there, and we will see you guys uh, sometime in July, hopefully. You've been listening to Two Men On. And we're out. To let me know Should I stay or should I go If you say that you are mine I'll be here till the end of time So you got to let me know Should I stay or should I go It's always tease, tease, tease you're happy when I'm on my knees One day is fine and next is black So if you want me off your back Well come on and let me know Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go?